0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Weekly Blast. Everybody wants respect, especially Suns fans. They want their MVP, their coach of the year, and their depoy. They want every call to go their way, and they want everybody in basketball to stop talking about LeBron James. And I certainly agree with that last point, but me, what I prefer most is a championship and a parade. We have waited 21 years, and it has been long enough. And I admit, I am becoming a wee bit uncomfortable with this Devin Booker MVP rage campaign that has become our latest grievance. And that is because the louder this gets, the more the focus becomes on an individual. And the more that individual is Devin Booker, the more Chris Paul becomes a secondary figure. And I don't think that's a fair or accurate depiction of why the Suns are nine wins better than the nearest next best team in the NBA. Now, would something this small marginalize the on-court chemistry and the way the basketball moves in Phoenix? Not with this team. But I also Know that basketball teams and egos can be fragile. The fall of Steve Nash's sons were triggered by the smallest doses of stupidity and selfishness. And in the end, I like these sons feeling disrespected. I want them feeling disrespected because it doesn't just bring out the best in them, it brings out the killer in them. So I am in all in favor of this team getting its flowers and its individual accolades. But I would prefer all of that to happen after the long awaited trophy finally makes its way to Phoenix. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com.
1: We don't know, and we sort of stay in our own little box. You know what I mean? Like, we got such a tight group, like a tight unit, a team, or whatnot. We we just focus on the next thing ahead. You know what I mean? Like Like Jay said earlier, that, thing, that situation last year hurt. You know what I mean? So we all just try to do whatever we can you know, every day to just be a little bit better. So I think we, we, we learn to control what we can control. And we have fun while we're doing it.
2: That's Chris Paul yesterday following the win over the 76ers talking about the subject of national disrespect. That We don't worry about that. And a lot of what Chris Paul says is, uh, is very valid and very present with this basketball team. But um, – you hit on something that's interesting because there is growing sentiment and it's originating in Phoenix and it's starting to branch out elsewhere It is, it is. about Devin Booker in the mVP race Devin Booker uh, talked about that yesterday as well this is, this is legacy stuff, even with Mikhail for Defense Player of the Year, especially after a night like tonight like mm-hmm. these these
1: are statements that I feel that you know go go overlooked um for to, to take on his matchup and, and do what he does, and he's done this multiple times this year um, to, to high-level players. So we don't know what it's going to take, man, but we can't worry about that. You know, we're just going to come out here and, and keep winning games. Um, we have a big one Wednesday versus Golden State. Um, we're over 60 wins now, so, you know, we have nothing to complain about.
2: So you guys feel that you're getting the recognition around the rest of the country and the rest of the league that you deserve?
1: I'm sure nobody. I'm sure nobody feels that way. Um, so, I mean, no. <laughs> um,
0: that was a very honest answer at the end.
2: It was. I appreciate that. It was. But um, I, I think what what Chris Paul says is probably more the guideline for this team is remembering how that felt. And I had that thought again yesterday. One of the the lasting images of the NBA Finals from last summer was the early stages of Milwaukee celebrating on the home floor and the mm-hmm. camera's panned to devin booker walking toward the the, the sun's bench and he kind of looked back and you can see him mouth the word he just said damn and that to me that could be you know the one word uh you know catchphrase for how the suns have bounced back from losing in the finals this year it's almost like a nightly reminder of that pain right. because of the way they play and how hard they go after victories, and how much each win means to them. And Monty Williams talks about it too, celebrating all the little things. Well, when you play 82 of them, each game is is kind of a little thing unto its own, and the Suns do take great pride in checking those boxes and, and notching those wins. And I mean, it's unlikely because I think the philosophy will change a little bit in terms of playing time, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. Yeah. But would it be completely 100% out of left field shocking if the Suns ended up with 68 wins?
0: No. I don't think no, so. No, it would not. Um and, and I do think it, it, relative to the point I'm trying to make in the blast, I would say this that Devin Booker yesterday was sensational again and if in if there was movement in the MVP debate with Devin Booker, and there is, we don't know how high up he's going to get up the ladder. Yesterday would have been a victory for him. I thought Joel Embiid was good, but he wasn't great. And I thought Devin Booker, again, had one of those declaration impact games. I just, and the Defensive Player of the Year award, it's a little different. The MVP thing is, is such an exaltation. And I just want, I want this team to feel like we're all we're all responsible for this, and, and it, this is nothing more than just something that I watch because you've seen basketball teams turn on less, and I don't want suddenly this thing to become so overwhelming that Chris Paul gets lost in the shuffle here.
1: But if you listen to them, though, this is also the type of the team that legitimately wants success for everybody yes. else. So M- Monty winning Coach of the Year or Mikel winning Defensive Player of the Year
0: is something that, that they want that would make them all happy. Uh-huh. Yeah, At but, least that's what I get but, from Okay, I, I, And I'm only bringing this up as a speculative conversation piece. That if Devin Booker thinks, I'm getting close to this thing, and then it becomes all about points and numbers and stats. And I'm, not, I'm saying, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's just something that you that like I said is a conversation now to be fair, they've clinched the number
1: one seed mm-hmm. a few games ago. If the team said like our goal now is going to be to try to get Devin Booker the M V P in these last seven games they could do that I mean that that but that, that seems like something that would be that an would
2: eyebrow do. raiser to me if you come out and made that public i 'd be all right, where where are your priorities? I don't think you'll ever hear hear anybody on this organization say that mm-hmm. and what what the the part that is impressive for me is this is not devin Booker going you know. One on five to get his shots up and to increase his scoring totals. Very efficient. We've seen players do that to win scoring titles. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Indeed. He had 22 shots yesterday, he had 22 points in the first quarter. Like I said, during Suns and four.
0: They needed every one of those points at the time that they came. And, and I said earlier that one of the key three-pointers in that game came from Jay Crow- Love that guy. Came from Jay Crowder. Yes. And Devin Booker had a wide-open three. DA, DA was hauling backside, coming down. He fed the ball to DA, who fed it to Crowder for the three. So that play sort of contradicts the fear I expressed in the blast. But... Uh, to me, once again, this is something where, you know, Russell Wilson, I was told over the weekend that the real reason Russell Wilson left Seattle was that he's never received an MVP vote. Now, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but that is the number one thing is that he's like, I can't get an MVP vote in Seattle. I'm out of here. And wow, what a weird thing to uproot a career on.
2: Yeah. Like if he had one vote over the course of his decade in like, Seattle, he'd be he'd st- Ooh, I got one vote.
0: Right. Yeah. So, and, and Jared is right. One of the hardest things you can do in this world, and I try to tell my kids this all the time, be happy for other people's accomplishments. Oh, it, man. It is so hard to do.
1: Yeah. Only if you're not happy with where you are,
0: I think. It, it, I,
1: I, I, th- I think envy and jealousy are the two hardest things to wrestle
0: with. Yeah. Yeah, and so when somebody else, something Ooh. good is happening to somebody else. I know, it's, it's a window into away? Jarrett's psyche. No, but it's, uh, it's, it's, very, it's a hard thing to do, and I think the Suns have mastered it. I think the Suns are legitimately happy for each other's success. I just want it to stay that way. That's what I want. Yeah, I, I think
2: that's a great point. Uh, we'll we'll get more into the Suns, as promised, uh, a little later on in the hour. Coming up next, Cardinals off season continuing. How are they looking early on before the draft and before free agency wraps up in terms of pecking order in the NFL? You might be surprised on where they land. We'll tell you where it is next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: I was surprised that we didn't handle the end of the season the way we we uh, we could have. You know, we we started off great. Um, you know, we were are ten and two early in December, and and we just kind of you know didn't didn't finish the way we wanted to. You know, from top to bottom.
2: It's Colt McCoy, backup quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, re-signed one of the free agents they did choose to bring back, and that was uh, last week, as he appeared on. Wolf and uh, Luke here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Uh, And Colt McCoy, not breaking news there. I think there was a lot of people that were kind of going, wait, what happened at the end of the season? Yeah. Not just the playoff loss to the Rams, but the way the regular season wrapped up for the Cardinals. But it kind of um, led into this period of, regardless of how you feel, how the Cardinals have have attacked things, it's been a period of inactivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, they brought back a lot of their own free agents. They've lost key free agents, and they've only... Dipped into the free agent pool on uh, two fronts from from outside the uh, organization, and that's a cornerback who did not play football last year, and a reserve linebacker. Yeah. Um, so, what does it mean moving forward in this uh, this offseason? Beck has been kind of an arms race for the for the halves in the NFL. Without a doubt, a lot of good teams have really beefed up their rosters. Uh, some of the good teams have kind of stood pat, and the Cardinals, I think. Fall into that category. Uh, ESPN put out their way too early uh, power rankings for your 2022 post free agency, and um, here's your top five. Tell me uh, your thoughts on this. All right, Buffalo number one. All right, uh, they've had a good off season. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl champion LA Rams number two. Kansas City three. Tampa Bay four.
0: Cincinnati five. Ooh yeah, I I don't know. I, I got to be. I I know Joe Burrow is going to be all that, but a return for Cincinnati feels like I don't know if you can bank on that. No, not in that conference. No, not in that conference. So five, I don't know about. And and the Chiefs, you assume they're still going to be good, but are they going to be? I think they're going to be
2: good. Mm-hmm. They're well coached. They still have. A, they added two weapons static. to replace one. They did, uh, you know, they bring in Juju and MVS at at the receiver position, so maybe just more spreading out of the football. Um, Two nickels don't always equal a dime, though. That is true. (laughs) Uh, Your next five, Green Bay, six. I think that's too high. Uh Uh-huh. The Chargers, seven. San Francisco, eight. So there's your second NFC West team, even though the Jimmy Garoppolo
0: situation is... Not resolved. No, and they might have to cut it. Yeah, now. I, saw, I read that over the weekend. Yeah. What a loss that would be for the 49ers, huh? <laughs> yeah. Because teams across the NFL are now. Now, I'm not trading for him. What do I need that for? You're going to have to cut the guy. Yeah. Same thing applies to Baker Mayfield. Uh, Dallas nine, Denver ten. After adding Russell yeah, Wilson, that's a little that's a little low for Denver, a little high for Green Bay when you base when you go quarterback. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is better, but roster isn't the Bron- aren't the Broncos better? They lost the best receiver and didn't mm-hmm. replace them. Unlike Kansas City, they haven't even done anything
2: great. Right. Day. Yeah. That is true. They lo- And they lost a secondary receiver. Um, the point of this is you got to keep scrolling way down to find the Arizona Cardinals at number 18. Uh, their way too early ranking was 10. So this is post-agency. free They fell eight spots or 10 spots. Wow. They're to the bottom half of the league now. Yeah. Uh, their next off-season move, and each each ESPN beat writer provided this. Um, so Josh Weinfuss, who covers the team for ESPN, said the next move is get a number two receiver, and he points out Rondale Moore is capable, but he's not a number two. Arizona let a number of receivers go by in free agency, but in order for Cliff Kingsbury's offense to work, it needs a number two who causes defense to game plan around him. Yeah. And last week we were still having the AJ a, a. Green discussions as a as a potential candidate to return. Um, There was some conflicting information on Julio Jones. Some say the Cardinals had interest. Others, uh, including Gambo, shooting that down, saying they don't have interest. Um, The need still remains, though. They don't have a number 2 receiver. They still don't uh, have a a viable replacement for, for Chandler Jones, and maybe that doesn't exist. And they
0: need offensive line help and a corner. You said it both. You said it best. They've lost a lot of production, plus they haven't added pieces to get better. So they're in, a, they're in a deficit situation now, and, and even if you decide to supplement your roster with a, a, a slew of second-tier signings, really, what is that going to get you? Guys are top-tier players for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And, and Steve Keim does not have a magical gift to find great second-tier players where the rest of the league has no idea what they're doing. That, that, that is a myth, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about it. I really am. I mean, it it just seems to me like there's way too much. Hey, you know what? There's way too much now. It, it, it's like they overcorrected. We heard all the reports about how angry Michael Bidwell was after the playoff game, and rightfully so. The team was embarrassed and laughed off the field, and and I'll never forget the fans that I saw going into that stadium how how loaded for bear they were, and how how poorly their football team represented them. And so, so if he had an overcorrection and said, you know what, I really lost him. I shouldn't have gotten that hot. We were ten and two at one point in time. There's some definite truth in that, but not to the point where you go, hey, you know what? If we just if we just have two healthy tight ends, and if we just have DeAndre Hopkins healthy, everything's going to be fine. Uh,
2: I don't know. I mean, there was even conflicting reports, Bick, on whether or not. A quote-unquote meeting happened. That's how fuzzy this offseason has yeah, been for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. There wasn't even agreement on whether or not a sit-down happened. Right? Was it a pass-by exchange of frustration from Michael Bidwell? But let's assume that happened. Let's at, at least uh, a communication of wow, this was really unacceptable. Right? I'm not very happy. Use mm-hmm. whatever language you want to use. Mm-hmm. That was not has not been followed up organizationally. Um, that feeling. I, I'm I'm doubting that ever happened now because of the way they've attacked this offseason. Yeah, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, like,
1: like Dan just said, something went wrong last season. Okay, yeah. uh, they said it's not the coaching because they extended the coach. Right, it wasn't you know the GM and the, the players they added because they extended the GM. It obviously wasn't that they needed a lot more because they haven't got out and got a lot more. So it's got to be like Dan said. They thought we would have been a Super Bowl contender if DeAndre Hopkins and Max Williams stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's that.
2: Well, we'll find out, I guess, unless they unless yeah. they completely shock
0: yeah. us coming up. Yeah, like I said, it, it's uh, <sighs> there's a lot of wishing and a lot of hoping going on. There's a lot of – I mean, you you just don't replace – Even just a good Chandler Jones. The the thing about Chandler Jones, and I'm not the only one to make this point, so I'm not trying to claim I am, but the thing about Chandler Jones is regardless of what the sack number says after week one last year, every time he was on the field, the offensive line had to be well aware of that Mm -hmm. guy. They had to account for that guy every single time. They were afraid of that guy every single play. And him not being there makes everybody else less effective. Yes, it does.
2: And
1: the scary thing is it's heading down the path that they're going to have to replace Chandler Jones... And Christian Kirk with their first and second round draft picks this Mm -hmm. year, Uh like almost immediately.
2: Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Coming up next, Suns still winning a lot of games. They've got their spot wrapped up. So how do they attack this final stretch of regular season contest? We'll get into it next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live
0: on the Arizona Sports app. Pickley and Murata Mornings. The Sun- I mean, the, the motivation has come from last year, going our way to the finals and not, not achieving the main goal. So that's the ultimate motivation. That's that's all you need um, to want to get back there. You want to you want to have a different story. So uh, you can't skip any steps leading up to that point. So we're aware of that, and that's the motivation in the game. So uh, we take that with us night in, night out. Jay Crowder, love that guy. What is up?
2: Three three pointers yesterday. Yeah, Jay Crowder yesterday. talking about uh, yesterday. No meaningless games that the motivation is to get back to the finals and through 75 games on this year's schedule the Phoenix Suns have handled that very consistently that every game matters Uh, their starters play a lot of minutes and by the way can I just say this Um, that was about as close to a full-strength NBA basketball game as we've seen in a really really long time I mean, the Suns were missing Cam Johnson and JaVale McGee, but the Sixers came in close to hole. Yeah. Um, And it was a really entertaining game. And you don't really see that normally in late March in the NBA. So uh, So, that was kind of
0: All right. So the question becomes, what exactly are the Phoenix Suns aiming for? Because we do know that the team record for most wins is 62. Next win, they tie that, right? They're at 61 now. So next win, they tie it. Two more, they break it. There's a feeling, and I think you and I are in alignment on this, that it, to me there is no debate on who is the best regular season Suns team in history, and to me, Vinny, it's not even close. This year's team yeah. uh, laps anything I have seen, I think I think it's clearly the best ever. So the question becomes, does this team want to put that number as high as they can put it for posterity, for legacy, as Devin Booker mentioned, or do you want to kind of do you kind of want to go play the Warriors' full strength, go play the Grizz' full strength, and then start to bring it down? I I I don't know what they're going to do, but it was interesting to me because a few days ago, Monty Williams said, hey, I, my, my guess is these guys are going to want to post 68 wins. Yesterday before the game, he said, we're going to be smart about this. We're going to have conversations about this. We are going to have a game plan. So hmm. what is that going to be? What should that be?
2: Yeah, I mean... It's March. We're still 3 weeks away, 3 plus weeks away from the beginning of the playoffs for the Phoenix Suns. You can't coast that whole time. You can't do it. No. You look at the schedule and you mention the next two games, at Golden State Wednesday, at Memphis on Friday. They could ver- I mean they could have the Memphis is playing tremendous basketball. Do I expect them to go to San Francisco and beat Golden State with the philosophy they have right now? Yeah. The yeah, Warriors are really, really floundering. Struggling. They are struggling. Um, I think, I'm I'm torn on this, but yeah. ultimately I believe that getting to 63, mm-hmm. breaking the record, surpassing the single season record is important. Uh, anything past that is gravy. Yeah. Uh, and, and you might get some gravy, even if you do decide <laughs> to take your foot off the gas and, 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 and play your starters less or give them some time off because you got a game at Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the Lakers are going to look like on April 5th? I mean, I think, I think they are teetering on the edge of deciding whether or not they even want to pursue the, the, the six, 7 through 10 spot, quite honestly.
0: What an embarrassment. Oh, uh, completely. So to me, if this were my basketball team, I would, I would keep the foot on the pedal through the Lakers game at home. They play a back-to-back the following day in L.A. Those last three games, maybe you really limit minutes and maybe sit all the starters against the Kings, mm-hmm. something like that. I, I, I agree with you. there's something about the calendar that you've got to be conscientious of as well. So if you go, if you go standard uh, status quo from now through April 5th, you'll get the Warriors, Grizzlies, Thunder, and the Lakers at home. Three road games, one home game, and then after that, you avoid any issues with the back-to-back, and it Mm -hmm. gives you basically three games to taper down. That seems to me to be sensible. That's what we call champagne problems. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) But going back to your point, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I got in the car yesterday when I was leaving the arena, and I I flipped on the post-game show, and Tim Ring was was in for John Bloom, and that was one of the points that the callers were bringing up, uh, and there was some debate on it, whether or not this was the best Suns regular season team of all time. I wasn't around for, you know, the 76 team, but I don't think anybody would argue that was a great regular season team. They went 42 games. So this basically boils down to the first year of the Barkley Suns, 92-93 that went to the finals. Um it boils down to any number of the Steve Nash teams mm-hmm. or, or this year's team for for that mm-hmm. honor if you're a it's an unofficial honor, but I I don't think there's any question in my mind, and I said this earlier in the season, how much I love that 92-93 team, Um, but they were not as connected as this team is. No, They were not as businesslike as this team is, and a lot of callers brought up uh, on the postgame show with Tim Ring, this team plays defense, which has not exactly been a hallmark of great Phoenix Suns of uh, of years past. That's a great point.
0: Yeah, and a lot of it, and a lot of that stems from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. These these guys now are true, really good on the ball defenders. I agree with everything you just said, and and I think that in the NBA, I think you you get into sixty wins, and it's been a special, special season. You get to sixty five, and now you're in rare air. Oh yeah, anything above sixty five is a great basketball team. I don't know the last time that there was going to be this kind of discrepancy numbers-wise between the best team in the West and the best team in the East in terms of amount of wins. It's pretty significant right now. I believe it's 14 right now. Yeah, Suns are at 61, and Boston and Miami both have 47 wins right now. Yep. So Through an identical number of games played. (laughs) Could you you imagine a Suns-Celtics NBA Finals in Al's 50th year? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> well, we know
2: this that uh, when teams from Phoenix uh, and it kind of kind of broke last year, but up until last year, when teams from Phoenix play for championships, it mm-hmm. was always against the storied franchises yeah. of of the respective sports. I mean, Diamondbacks, Yankees, Cardinals, Steelers, mm-hmm. Suns, Celtics, Suns, Bulls. You know, Suns, Bucks didn't have the same historic ring to it, mm-hmm. um, but. If I was picking a team from the East right now, I'd pick Boston. They're playing the best basketball in that conference.
0: Miami, yeah. Miami's tied with them right now, but they're imploding. Yeah, and I think that James, the, the not-so-big-game James, is going to be something that drags down Philadelphia.
2: I was, I mean... <laughs> I'm the James Harden defender on this show. I realize it's not a popular place to be with a lot of NBA fans. Mm. He yeah, was, he was not good yesterday. Yeah, and has not been consistently good since he's been there. And I don't, for the life of me, understand an offensive weapon. And I know he had Mikel Bridges on him, but I'd rather take my chances with you know increasing the shot attempts for James Harden than relying on Tyrese Maxey as much as they
0: did. Yeah. So, so to me, like I said, that there's not much. I look at this basketball team, and the, the more I watch him play, the more I, I just I don't see anybody beating him. I just don't. It's and hard to envision right now. It really now. is it, it, the way they are rolling, and and the fury in which they're playing, and the attitude with which they're playing. You, you have a, you have a hard time seeing this team overlooking anyone. You have a hard time seeing anybody beating them repeatedly. It's, the
1: the four out of seven thing is really it. Yeah, because when when they put up the things like, okay, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, if he's healthy with the Nets or if you know the Warriors and Steph Curry goes crazy or whatever. Okay, that could carry... If this was the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. I would be scared mm-hmm. because one of those guys could just go off and as great as the Suns are, they don't have that like super-duper-duper-duper duper, duper star like those guys are, but four out of seven games, yeah. the team is
2: just too good, it feels like. Their worst four-game stretch, or excuse me, their worst seven-game stretch all year is four wins and three losses. <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's to start I the year, yeah. right? Uh, Probably. Yeah, I believe they're so, yeah. one in three to start the year. Yeah, um, that that which is an amazing statistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, but Indeed. Th- That's what you start thinking of at this time of the year: is who who's going to be sharp enough and dialed in enough to be able to beat this team four out of seven?
0: Yeah, yeah. To me, uh, that's a great question. And like I said, a full strength Golden State, that team would worry me. But are they going to be full strength? Who knows? James Wiseman's not coming back. Yeah, yeah that's true. true. They'll never Warriors be fans full. have been saying that yeah.
2: wait till Wiseman
1: comes back. Well, he's not coming back now. That's the th- also is like, at best, if you get a full strength Nets or Warriors team, it's going to be a full strength team that just got put together at full strength.
2: Yeah, with very I mean, little in terms of ramp right. up. Yeah. And the Suns, they haven't been fully together for that many games this year either, but whew, they are just so, so dialed in right now. Your last uh, shot to participate in the madness is now. Text the word BUCKS to 620-620 and choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $500. That's BUCKS to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Speaking of the madness, it is down to four. You want to talk about some blue blood. Ooh boy. We got it. In this year's Final Four, we'll get into it next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Enough about,
2: you know, doing it for the old man here. And uh, we're not going to do it unless we all own it. And we all own this. We all own this moment together. That's what we're playing for. Mike Krzyzewski, head coach of Duke, the Blue Devils, through to the Final Four. And Mike Krzyzewski's last year 75-year-old coach has had a season-long farewell tour, which is graded on a lot of people. Yeah. But it's uh, it's going about as long as it can go because they're one of the Final Four teams standing. And for the first time ever, Duke will play its arch-rival, North Carolina, in an NCAA tournament game, and it will happen in the Final Four.
0: Yeah, this is uh, this is something to me that is is going to add uh, a little extra sauce to the Final Four, if you will. Oh, yes. I, th- th- this idea of this blue blood display of college basketball, this feels very much like a college football playoff to me. You know what I mean? It's Ohio State, it's Clemson, it's Alabama, and it's insert the fourth team. But I like this. Because we don't get this every year. Yeah, yeah. This no, is, listen, this is kind of cool. I, I'm not against it. I, and in fact, I'll tell you this much: I was uh, I was cleaning out my garage yesterday, and yes, I was wearing shoes. Good. this time. Good move. Solid. And and Any my, scorpions. No? Yeah, no, no. And my neighbors said, "Hey, man, I'm going to go watch St. Peter's," and i and I'm like, I knew in my heart that that game was not going to be good i i I knew in my heart that St Peters had come to the end of the road, and at least because and just because of uh, they had nothing they had no way to compete with North Carolina side, none whatsoever so to me if you'd had a St Peter's in the final four, you'd be just waiting for that moment to arrive I, I do agree with you there's something it's almost like the final four of the year it was in Glendale. Where you had four? Didn't you? We have really four really good programs that year. And it was Gonzaga, Gonzaga North Carolina, know, South, Car,
2: South Carolina, and Oregon. Oh, okay, yeah. maybe not. Yeah,
0: but South, At least we had Frank Martin with South Carolina, who he's, was great in press conferences. Who's no longer there? Who's no longer there? <laughs> right, right. Uh, he just got let go. But he, did. he Got a job at UMass. Okay, so so I, this this Duke North Carolina thing is going to be interesting because North Carolina embarrassed Duke in Coach K's final game at Cameron. And we all saw the weirdness that came after uh, mm-hmm. after that. So all of that's going to be in the air on Saturday, which I think is going to be fascinating. Well, there was a moment on court after Duke won, and Shashevsky
2: getting interviewed on television, and a couple of his players come up, and Paolo Bancaro, the, the freshman, one of their better players, came up behind him and just kind of inserted himself in the interview and patted Mike Shashevsky and said, and pointed at him and said, "This is the goat right here." And Mike Krzyzewski, Krzyzewski practically started blushing and said, shut up. That's it. Uh, don't talk about me. Like, he wants it to be about the team right, right now. Right. And we before the tournament started, Bick, we talked to Seth Greenberg about the pressure on this young Duke team that had not really gelled. And he ripped the Duke team apart. Yeah. And I trust Seth Greenberg's knowledge on college basketball. So what they've done so far... To win their first four games in this tournament, mm-hmm. I think is pretty spectacular. Yeah. Considering that pressure, considering all the eyes are on it, and maybe a lot of people rooting against Duke because they want this farewell tour to end. But I was surprised too. Um, you know, the reaction to to Duke getting in was. Um, Surprised by the number of people on social media that I am not a Duke fan, never rooted for them, mm-hmm. but I am really getting behind this Mike Krzyzewski story, which I did not expect to happen, and we kind of touched on that last yeah.
0: week, but yeah. it's happening. Yes, yeah, so I I, I kind of would like to see, out of the teams left in the tournament, that's what I would like to see as well. I, I Even though I do admit to the Duke fatigue going into the tournament, the, given what's in front of me now, that's where, that's what I would choose. Yeah. I mean, uh, the only... And I hate to diminish what hubert davis
2: has done in his first year as the head coach mm-hmm. but if that was still roy williams on the sideline for north carolina i mean talk about you know upping the ante even a little bit oh, more and you got i thre- want
0: to beat coach k right <laughs> right sounds like you got three of the top five top five highest paid coaches in basketball bill self bill self makes 10.2 million dollars a year
2: no wonder why he thumbed his nose at the NCAA. right
0: that's what i'm saying this could have been Kansas like,
2: versus Arizona. He's like Bigger and McCracken. He's above the law.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not impressed with Villanova. Like that's, When I was watching that game, I was like, ah, I wish Arizona would have won that game because they... <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, but could you imagine what you could have had? You could have had Duke, North Carolina over here, yeah. and then the two N- the two programs to thumb their nose at the NCAA over on this uh, side. I don't think Kansas I could have yeah.
1: handled an Arizona-Duke final, though, again. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hate there. Duke so much mm-hmm. that... I was sort of like putting together a poll with my friends going into that Arkansas game. What would be the most painful, brutal way for Coach K to lose and get eliminated? Which would be most delightful and delicious and fun? Would it be losing to Arkansas right before the Final Four? Would it be losing to St. Peter's in the Final Four, a 15 seed? Or would it be losing to his arch rival, North Carolina?
2: But I guess I have to root for North Carolina. I though. think it'd probably be losing to North Carolina. I think it
0: would be, oh. especially the thing that if would if make they that They go more... back to back on them like that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, Sixty one Final Fours combined for these four programs. Wow. Seventeen championships. And I, I mean, I've never been a Duke hater like other people have, um, but I I mean, there's there's reasons to root for each team. If yeah. you're into the Coach K storyline, mm-hmm. you root for Duke. If you're into Hubert Davis and this resurgent North Carolina program, I get that. Uh, a lot of people locally, I mean, although it's split, I, I don't think it's universal, but a lot of ASU fans are rooting for Remy Martin. Uh, a lot of ASU fans are, yeah. are still sore at Remy Martin for leaving. I get that. And look, Villanova is, I think, um, you know a model of what a basketball program should be. Yeah. That, that's a that's a college basketball program under Jay Wright that's got a lot of pedigree and a lot of culture. Unfortunately, they lost one of their best players to an Achilles injury, so they're they're going to be short-handed. Going
1: they, they've become in the last six or seven years what Michigan State was in the previous like fifteen years, mm-hmm. in that they're always solid, but once they get to the tournament, watch out. Yeah, because nobody really thought they were the best team in the NCAA this year, and yet they got to
2: another Final Four. And they were a two seed, so I mean, they weren't that far off the radar. But yeah, I I get your point. Uh, I checked our our office pool standings, by the way, and I would have guaranteed I'd be in last place. There's 70, almost 70 people in the poll. I'm in 42nd place and I'm shocked that there's 28 people behind me. Well, I will say because I, I was
1: in like 65th place for most of the tournament. Mm-hmm. The last like five people didn't fill out their bracket completely. <laughs> so they have zero points. Uh-huh. That's really tough. So they shouldn't even count. So you're, you're a little worse than it looks in those rankings. They submitted incomplete brackets? That's what according to... I don't know. Incomplete or they didn't... Ow.
2: There was something they didn't do correctly. So I filled out two bra- I filled out one that i 'm just updating on my desk at home, and then I filled out this one, and um, at least of the one at home, I have one final four team i don 't get any final four teams in our office pool. I picked Wisconsin out of the uh, the Midwest region instead of Kansas. Yeah, they lost in the first round. <laughs> Uh, second round. Second round, okay. Yeah, they lost to Iowa State. It, it's the worst bracket I've I had Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, lost it's the, the worst round. bracket I've ever filled out in the history of the NCAA. <laughs> it's the worst bracket in the <laughs> right. history of NCAA tournament wow. brackets. It is not the bracket of champions.
1: <laughs> Another strong Pac-12 performance.
2: Yeah, how about the the ACC this close to getting three teams yeah. in the Final Four? Mm-hmm. but. Wow, Kansas in the second half yesterday. That was impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was. So you've got so you've got a blue blood final four coming up and, and as I said a, a little while ago, I doubt you found a better month of March in the history of sports than what we've all gone through this year. Because of all the NFL exactly. and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because of all the labor disputes. Yeah, that was really
2: enjoyable.
1: <laughs> that was that it, was real it, enjoyable. It, yeah. it was at least I, interesting though. I mean, it's it, really
0: the football it, stuff that puts it way over the top. No, I agree. No, but I will totally. say,
1: though, that the baseball contract dispute mixed with the late, late, late free agency did make the month of March more interesting than just, oh, there's spring training games going on for baseball.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you. So you take it with a grain of salt. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour socially. Social studies on uh, our Twitter account, Pickley underscore Murata, is next with Sarah Cazelle. It's Pickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.